You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Morning. Welcome to the World Football Program. Dave and Penn in the studio for the next two hours. Good morning, Penny. I've got a little bit of something happening in my throat, hence I might sound a little different, slow me down a bit, but uh, still going strong in the voice. Lucky for you, Dave, otherwise you'd be in this chair, mate. (laughs) Yeah, I was in a bit of state of panic, I can assure you. (laughs) That's right. Plenty of uh, background information and, and great guests to get you through. We're on air. Thanks very much to all of the listeners and their memberships and a whole lot of great partners, including Futsal WA, Gate and Fence Hardware and fencing, uh, Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron and uh, always backed up by A-League Stats website, care of Pete Skeeler and all that great information he puts on his site about the A-League's men and women Thanks, everyone, for listening in. We're here till 12. The guest lineup looks like this. We'll be having a chat to Sharif Andraus, the chair of Football West. Graham Stewart's going to come in from Melville, Alemania, and have a chat about uh, the passing of uh, a couple of people in the football community this week, yeah, yeah. including uh, Heinz Gashik and uh, John Talbot. John Talbot, yeah. And uh, Rita Safiotti, Deputy Premier, will be having a chat to us about what's happening in football. Perth Glory media man Gareth Morgan, a few changes in the club this week. Yep, new owner stepping in. It's yeah. uh, great news. On the back of five five uh, draws or wins for Perth Glory, yeah. which is a pretty good run. A run of five without a loss. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. They're still losing a few goals. Uh, yeah. Um, and our last guest would be Robbie Thompson from Paramount and Network 10. Talking everything, we managed to always have a pretty robust discussion with Robbie and always end up needing to chat more. That yeah. another hour, I think, would do it. 
But um, we'll, we'll get in what we can. There's He's a, lot a to very talk knowledgeable about. chap. He is very, very much so. Um, the Matildas are playing tonight, yep. uh, five o'clock our time on Channel Ten or Paramount. If yep. you have got the um, page service there, um, the Olympic qualifiers. So first of two games against Uzbekistan. Yeah, I think that's how you say it. Yeah, you, you got to watch some of these Eastern European countries are getting better and better. It'll be two very different games: one away, one home. Yep. I think there's snow. Over there at the moment, and they're coming back here too. I mean, Australia's been just the most amazing place weather-wise in the last 12 months. Droughts and crazy extremes of weather, floods, fires. Um, it, it's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um, someone should sing a song about that. Longest spell of hot weather that I've ever seen. I've been here 27 years. Yeah, it's insane. I don't know if this is what we call Australia, all of these extremes... I thought we were quite a mild place, actually. I thought that was one of the reasons people like to come here because we're mild in the middle of things, but apparently we're one of the windiest cities in the world and, I don't know, mind you, there's other countries like Germany have been having those crazy golf ball-sized hailstorms yeah. this week. Yeah. Scary. We had one here in um, Perth, I don't know, about 10 years ago. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Damaged a All the whole lot of cars, cars. yeah. <laughs> there's still a few students driving around with cars, they haven't... <laughs> Managed to change over the financial thing, being a student and all. Yep. Um, FA Cup rounds are happening this week. The girls' festival is kicking in in a couple of weeks' time. That'll be the second year. Um, night series matches are underway. Everybody kicks in this weekend. I think the women, the women's NPL kicked in last night and the rest of the competition kicks in this weekend, yep. um, Saturday night, Sunday night. So there's a lot of football being played, hence there's a lot to talk about. Yep. Um, what's top of your football mind this week, Dave? What's kind of caught your interest? Um, well, uh, I, I've seen a few games, but uh, I was at uh, Forsfield on Tuesday night and my grandson plays for Ashfield. And they were doing very well in the first half. Then they got beat 4-1 in the end. I was at 3-1. How old is your grandson? 23. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Prime footballing time. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Loving his football at Ashfield. However, at full time he came come across and talked to me and he said, uh, oh, half of our team's in Japan skiing. What? In Japan skiing. And I remember... Like they went day, on a football tour. You and get married during the season. That's just shocking. Are you, are you saying that they, there's some kind of football tour happening? No. They're just holidaying? They're just holidaying <laughs> skiing in Japan. Well, it's probably the closest place to go skiing from Australia. Wow. So this is what drives coaches insane. Oh, absolutely. But we're talking about semi-professional football. Mm. But, you know, football is kind of 24-7 these days, Dave. You start your pre-season before Christmas. Yeah. And you have your night series just after Christmas pretty much. And then you've got your season proper. So when's the break? There isn't much of a break, actually. This this, this is it. You know, it's better to keep it ticking over. I don't mind that, I think, but... uh, Having a big squad, that's the key. <laughs> can you keep them can you keep them all satisfied? Because a lot of them don't want to play reserve football, they'll just go off and play somewhere else, you know? And you lose them as well. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean you think of professional footballers like Manchester United and and et cetera, teams at the you know, the best elite competitions you can think of, they have massive squads and they have a break. 
and that break is a complete break. They don't go and play in any social competitions. They don't go and tour in that time, whatever. They have a break. They have the downtime. Mm. And then there's you know, FIFA International Calendar. Um, there's the team might tour pre-season, those kind of things. That's yeah. after their break. So they have a dedicated break. And it's very important that you do that. I mean, if you think of the women's footballers now and they're increasing demands in their calendar as females are becoming increasingly professional and intense in their competitions, <coughs> excuse me, um, they're going to have to factor the same things in. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. it's going to be hard work for them, you know. Mm. And, uh, you know, you've got to think, um, like Katrina Gordy, she's got a child that she's got to look after as yeah. well and play her football and the, the story... <laughs> A couple of weekends ago, she had to go and take the baby, the child back to her house and do some repairs, <laughs> come back out again, you know. Baby maintenance, yeah. And made it in time for the warm-up, you know. Yeah. That's, yeah. You... Yeah, this is this is how it goes. I, yeah, I mean, um, I went, Rose was now 17 and I was single mum playing uh, state league football and on the sidelines, the mums would look after her while I was playing. <laughs> there, yeah. there wasn't many mums at that stage funny mum playing for mum that's funny right <laughs> yeah. um yeah but now there's definitely more at all levels which i think is great and the support and infrastructure around that is more than it was so it's allowing yeah. females who want to play football and come back after they've have have had children yeah. to participate again i mean this is one of the big reasons why there is a gap in Female football has been a, a gap in female football because of childbearing and yeah, you know, yeah. nurturing children through their Absolutely. young years. Absolutely, but I've seen it when I was with the the mum ladies NPL. The if there's a a child born, there's just like a swarm around. They the, gather around and support. Yeah, just to, to support them, you know, so, and allow people to get back into the game, you know, and that's yep. excellent. That's yeah. brilliant. It's wonderful. Yeah. It is indeed. We shall go to a break and come back and talk more football with the guest line-up today. If you want to ask any questions or make any comments, please do land on the World Football Facebook page. But there's a comment line, if you want to take this number down, is 0408-921-832. That number is 0408-921-832. If you want to send any comments through for any of the guests that we have today or any questions for them, just send it through to that number and we'll pick it up. Thanks for listening in. This is the World Football Program. We'll be back shortly with our first guest. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware, components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822. Or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.com. 
www.org.au. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Dave in the studio with you until 12. Our guest on the line is the Football West Chair, Sharif Andraus. Good morning, Sharif. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, David. Good morning, Sharif. How are you? Yeah, it was good to talk to you guys. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. We've kicked off the year, all guns blazing pretty much, um, back of uh, Women's World Cup and the back of Men's World Cup. Uh, I suppose registrations are absolutely going through the roof. How is Football West going to manage this year, Sharif? Oh, every year's a challenge. There's always always so many moving parts. People don't always realise all the different things that Football West does. But in terms of registrations, yeah, they're going gangbusters. Um, they're going gangbusters this year. Last year was, uh, was a big increase from the previous year. I think we were 10% up. This year, believe it or not, we've, we've much higher again, which is, which is quite something. 30, 30 so or percent um, in registrations is massive, and I'm not quite sure what the numbers were last year, but they're probably 30,000 or so, I would suspect, across the state. I mean, that's a, a lot of increase in numbers. I can think of the volunteers that are required, the ground maintenance that's required, the number of referees that's going to be required, the, the amount of people that are going to have to fit inside the Football West building to administrate everything, Sharif. Well, let me just give you some context on the actual numbers. I was picked pull them out of the system from Thursday. Just obviously it's still fairly early because community sport doesn't start until April. But as of Thursday, we were up 33% on registrations from the 22nd of February the previous year, which is a big increase. Um, and that, that's a big number. And, and the split's interesting as well, which is female registrations are up 70% year on year. Wow. And male 25%. So there are some big numbers coming through. Now, it may just be timing, but last year when we did the similar stat, it was it kind of followed through. And certainly I'm seeing those sort of numbers and talking to clubs, they're all seeing you know, the issues of lots of people want to play football. And um, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's fabulous. It's a great problem to have, and the problems you were talking about, about how, how clubs manage that, how the Football West manages that. But it's, uh, it's a brilliant problem to have. Yes, and I, I would like to think that off the back of the Women's World Cup, those numbers are going to translate into all of the clubs out there will be increasing their girls' registrations and their girls' teams and therefore Football West will be increasing the girls' leagues that are going to be entered in the competitions. That's right, that's right. I believe so. So I'm not all over exactly which leagues they're going to be this year. I know that team registrations themselves didn't don't close, maybe just closed yesterday, so I haven't seen the final numbers for team registrations. But I do know, so, so for example, you know I'm involved with Fremantle City. They've got, I've heard they've got 27 women's and girls teams this year, which is oh, absolutely yeah. welcome for Fremantle. That is huge. Yes. Um, I think they've got something like six or one of the age groups, under 12 perhaps. There's, there's some big numbers coming through on the girls' side. And even the, and, and the women's side, Fremantle, eight, which is more women's teams than they've had before. So 
the stats replicated through and talking to some clubs, Inglewood, for example, haven't had them before. They've got two or three teams with girls' teams this year. And so we're seeing clubs that are already strong in women's, women's and girls growing and some clubs that haven't happened before actually happened the first time. So I think, as you're saying, this is going to be you know, a big game-changer for, for football based on, obviously, on the back of the Women's World Cup. I think that... Um I can anticipate what's going to happen here because it happens every year is that you have deadlines and you expect them to be met, but they're never met. But it, I mean, I'm going to anticipate that football always have a strategy for that. Um, they either say, nah, the door's closed or we want to take on more registrations because people are still knocking on the doors at clubs and going to open days and pre-season in droves. And that's just driving demand back to football West. Is there you know, a strategy to, enable that to still, you know, fill the, fill the registrations? Well, yeah, in terms of that, the registrations will go as much as they can. The, the kind of limiting factor is going to be about teams and um, and, and, and what they'll do. The last team registrations closed yesterday, and the office will probably kill me for this. I'm sure in some spots where there are still gaps, will be accepting new teams. If there's sort of seven in the league, or want to get eight, and those, those sort of things. And, and that enables people to clumps to, to grow more. But the clumps are taking different views, and there's some clumps being very strict and saying, look, our capacity is X, and we're not going beyond that, and just knocking people back, and I know people quite the clumps are doing that. Others are you know, maximising opportunities they can to as many people as they can, so there's different approaches to it as well. I wonder if the growth in hub systems, like in-house, in-club programmes, will just maybe grow a lot more I know there's clubs like Fremantle and Melville and there's probably other clubs I'm not aware of that do mini football or mini ruse competitions on one day per week for the very young players like five to nine year olds I wonder if that will just grow so if there's um, a cap by Football West and then families go to their local clubs and they still want to play football after registrations have closed they have some kind of hub system that allows players to still play the sport yeah, absolutely. Just to be clear, there won't be a, plump, a cap by Football West at all. It'll be individual clubs that have a cap. We will try and encourage as many players as possible. But you're right. And there are, and UWA have a massive one as well. They're the biggest of all those ones. So there's some quite big ones around the place. And it's a really good opportunity, particularly at those mini roos stage, for kids to come along and, and just enjoy playing. Yes. So that leads me to the question of uh, how, do, how does the ecosystem of football grow? Do Football West direct where new teams can occur or if there's an inquiry say to football west for a new area is there some kind of policy or regulation that says they can or can't start in that area or there's this demand and a new club will start say in a new growth estate outside of perth yeah great question there is surprisingly little in the way of new applications for clubs there haven't been any for a year or two there's a new one at alchemos a year or so ago but really, most of the areas are filled in. It's really a case of making sure that the clumps that exist are given as much support to grow as, as they can. And, and the role that Football West plays is, is, is a few different roles. One is you know, encouraging government to help support those clumps, to give them better facilities. Um, particularly, things like um, floodlights make a big difference in enabling and activating areas that can't be activated in the evenings for, for um, either games or for, uh, or, or for training. They want to limiting things. It's about things like encouraging clubs to be stronger in their capacity, because all run by volunteers, of course. There are some clubs that have been merging, and actually merging two clubs that are close together actually can come up with a stronger club. We've seen Calamander and um, Maddington merge this year. 
we've also seen some successful ones in the past. Fremantle's come from that place, and after a year or two, they've rocked into that much, much stronger than the two, two separate clubs were. I think that's a way of making strong, clubs stronger. Because they're all volunteer run, uh, to be able to accommodate more. But actually, the applicants for new clubs, we don't really see that, and it's not something we're encouraging either. Yeah. Well, what's your thoughts on, or what's Football West's uh, thoughts on um, male and female clubs? We well, you know that uh, Northern Redbacks merged with uh, Perth Red, or well, Junelup to become Perth Red Stars and um, facilitate uh, um, qualification, so to speak, for the N- NPL and become a, a strong entity. Um, and there was uh, Beckham Angels that was a female-only club that yeah. is discontinued at some point. But there are a, f- a few other clubs around Perth. Baldivis is a girls-only club. I just wondered what Football West policy on and one or the other, um, male or female, was. Well, there's no Football West policy. It's really what works best for the club. And Baldivis is a great club that's grown really well at that community level and it's grown really strong up from the senior ranks. Um, I know talking to the people at Red Star, there, there was a, a cap on in terms of what they could do in terms of attracting um, sponsorship and just infrastructure, etc. Now that may, may change, may have changed now with the, with the popularity from the Women's World Cup, but certainly at the time they did that, that, that tie-up to form Red Star. You see now that there are much more, the club, it's a very successful club, Red Star, but over the last years, men's and women's side, the one most things have been doing. So certainly the evidence on the pitch seems to be working. For them, and I know that you know, with Fremantle, there's uh, it's advised one club, but um, it works very strongly. Better, I think, together is, is, than they did separately. So I guess um, it, it depends on what you're trying to achieve and what kind of infrastructure you do have and what number of volunteers you have, because it's pretty tough for volunteers. Absolutely. And talk to us about uh, referees. I read some stat that there was about 70% increase in referee registrations this year. Yeah, yeah let me tell you. The referees' registrations um, this year are up. They're seventy-seven point three percent up, to be precise. That is amazing. Yep. Wow. Uh, well, this may be even more. The split male referee increase increased time is fifty-eight point five percent, and women's is six hundred twenty-five percent up from this time last year. Usually off a very low base. Did you say six hundred twenty-five percent? I did say that. Yeah. So. So that, How is that even that, possible? That, that doesn't even that, compute in my head. It's just math. <laughs> it's just math. It's not below in a small number you get. And it, now we, 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 so that, that's brilliant. And the registrations for referees is up a lot. And we're up last year. After a few years of coming down every year, last year we're up from memory about 10 or 15% in referees. And this year this increase is, is stronger again. And uh, I, think, I think one thing we've had done, we have a lot more support to referees. We've got this three strikes rule. We've come down very hard in any... any um, any abuse of referees, and, and I saw some stats the other day, I haven't gone the front of that referee abuse both of was down quite a bit last year, which is good. And I think that supporting referees is very important still. I think without referees, there's no game. Absolutely. I'm, I'm still going round in my head with that 625%. Yeah. So my, my question is kind of blown out of the water a bit about... If we have a massive registration in the uptake of teams and, and leagues, how are we going to administer that? Well, one of them is there's always complaints that we don't have enough referees, right? Um, so that looks like comparison to the number of player registrations that we might be in a pretty good place this year. It's better than it was, but we still need more. We still have a, with a, a target of a big increase in referees. And I think you know even then we're going to have games without referees, so I think we're going to need need more referees and we're, and we're doing putting a lot of courses out there and, and really, really trying to promote referee, being a referee as much as possible but I think we could always do more 
always do with more. Absolutely. Um, what about uh, what things are coming up at the State Football Centre, the Sam Kerr Football Centre? What can the community look forward to there? Yeah, the, the Sam Kerr Football Centre is, is coming along. I mean, it was it was open just in time for the Women's World Cup, and it was very much um, bare bones, just enough to get get it, get it done. And I've had a few good events at the tail end of last year. Um, this year, we're now kind of putting more finishing touches to it, which is which is pretty exciting. So we've got um, we, we, the pitches have been redone, um, and they they are going to be available from the first of March. We, we've got we've also been down there. There's three um, either side pitches there. They haven't been activated yet because the fencing around it there's been some delay in um, delivery of that, but they, they should be activated hopefully by, by early April and can start doing some really good five-a-side competitions there and walking football and those sort of things. So, Sheriff, were they grass or were they artificial grass? They're, they're artificial. Those ones for the artificial floodlit. And, and, and the real idea there is that in that whole area, um, there's not much or not many five-a-side opportunities. There's lots of people work in that area, Qdale, Welsh Pool, etc., and to give them after-work after opportunities to work and to play in the evenings. And during the days and weekends as well, there's a big whole catchment area. I think there's a lot of interest there. I think that's really important what you say there about that nighttime space is that Mm -hmm. um, uh, people have, uh, a lot of people are working a lot of different hours. I I don't know if that's a post-COVID thing or or what, but uh, people are working as much as they possibly can at the moment, maybe because it's just an expensive economy to be in and people just need to pay the bills and maybe if that means that they can't be available during daytime um, or we don't have enough grass space in in daytime but we've got all these alternate spaces to play in the evening where uh, they're lit and kind of Welshpool's it's kind of an easy space to get to Leach Highway, Welshpool Road, uh, Tonkin Highway Highway, Road it's not very hard to get to that space if you've got a car mind you Um, so it's great that there's a lot of spaces there and they're becoming open during the year I see a lot of potential in that Sheriff Right, that's, uh, that's one of the important things you want to have alternative terms of football and we need to activate it as much as we can. And, and for available for schools and things during the day, I think that's, that's a good part of it too. The other good thing that's we've got a brand new electronic scoreboard that's just been just been installed, so you'll see that now. Instead of the temporary one we had at the, the finals last year, so that's, that's pretty, pretty exciting too. Yep, and there's some um, coaching courses but, coming up there too, isn't there? Of lots of stuff going on there. The, 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 the place is being activated big time. Once pitches are brought, brought back on in the next week or so, there's every day the place is going to be full with uh, NTC training or Perth, Perth Glories. Academy teams are going to be training there and playing there. We've got um, lots of state league things, referee training, all those sort of things. And we've got the pitches three and four are being put in place now as well. It should be ready for the start of next season. Plus, you've been there very soon. The big, big fences and the other side of it is, looks like dirt. All those pictures are being put in place now. Can, can I can I ask? Um, since the Women's World Cup, which has been an absolute success uh, in in every form, um, viewing figures, people wanting to put money in it, sponsorship and recognition, all that kind of stuff, has that helped push the next stage of the state football centre along? I mean, you're talking about uh, things that, to me, would require an investment. So, is the government said quietly, here you go, now now you've got your money, you can do all the things that you wanted, like in 10 years' time, you can do it now? Yeah, and, and well, 
I know you've got a deputy premier on later, and she's been she's been fabulous. And I'll, and I'll really, ask, really, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, you, no, you ask her. But, and, and she's been great. But they have been really good. It really comes to the party because I mean, initially, if you go back to when we first started looking at the state football centre or Sam Kerr football centre, I should be calling it for the last twelve years or so, and and the the main iteration they got approved was as it stands now with the, with the four pitches and with the five side, all those sort of things, and the electronic scoreboard. But with prices increasing, the, the costs got so high that the first phase, which was done for the Women's World Cup, didn't include those extra two pitches. Um, now, with the successful Women's World Cup, the, the government said, look, we'll, 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 we'll stump up the extra money. There's quite a lot of extra to build it up to the specifications originally designed to be, which is this. And so they've been pretty good. And, and but they've been good that they they, they they funded extra money for the NPLW clubs, all got some extra funding, which was great. Um, what you know, no matter how much they give us good football, we always want more. We always want more, and we deserve more. So um, I think what I'd love to see is more more funding going to community clubs. And what we're talking earlier about the capacity of clubs to accommodate all these new registrations, things like new change rooms, new pitches. Floodlights, in particular, all those things need to be need to be funded. So it's constantly demand for more funding, and, and it's really got to come from government. And I think that they've been great, and they need to continue to to show that. Yep, this is this is wonderful, of course. And you know, we can thank the last couple of years of high-profile Socceroos and um, Matildas just uh, adding into the economy and um, that the the flow on. We all wanted to see it pretty quick, of course, um, but we'll hope the next couple of years it brings, you know, everything, yeah. development, investment, sponsorship, recognition. Yeah. Let's, let's hope to start the revolution uh, <laughs> in Western Australia. <laughs> to be quite honest, we need one uh, just to change everybody's attitude and let's get on and be something, you know, and just get on with it. Mm. I, I was um, speak, been speaking with um, some of the clubs around just to see how their night series, not the night series, but the pre-season's been going in, in regards of uh, volunteers and um, registrations and all that kind of thing. And everything seems to be like up, up. Just yeah. to, every, everything's up. And even with the women's, was the State League, I think, night series started <coughs> last night. Um, there's been crowds watching the games, yeah. which has been fantastic. Like hundreds of people watching the women's games in yeah. some of the, the club venues, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. this is it's, it's a good space to be in. It's um, you know, it's, it's giving money into the canteen. Yeah. It's giving recognition to people. It's giving support to the players on the park. Yeah, um, I've got a question for you, Sharif. Um, Go on. It starts with an S and it's called Squaddy. Is that improved <laughs> any or? Uh... Oh, look, great question. Great question. Squaddy itself, as you know. Is a, is a good product and it worked really well once it got better down last season, like most people would agree. The the real issue we have, I don't want to spend hours on this, is that there's two different systems. We have one's a competition management system, one's a registration system, and Squad is the competition management system. And Football Australia run the registration system, which is Play Football, which many people would be very familiar with. Yeah. And Play Football is probably, uh, I've been too rude, a few years past its best by date and doesn't play very well with other things. So we have an issue at the moment, and, and part of last year, but at the moment we have an issue with it just not talking too well with, with competition management systems. And it's not just ours, it's around, it's around Australia. And so that's one of the issues we've had, we're having, is that we um, might, might have seen they've had some uh, issues with football Australia in terms of so-called data breaches, etc. Is they're very reticent in making sure that they can auto, an automatic link between the two. And so it's been very manual. So we are in daily discussion with the boss, saying sort this out because 
we want to make sure all these massive registration numbers are actually coming through properly to Squaddy. Yeah. So it's yeah. not necessarily a Squaddy problem. It's actually linking between content and the API, if you like, between Football Australia's players play football and, and our competition management okay. system. So yeah. that's, going to, that's uh, number one, two and three priority at the moment for Football West, if you're asking, because last thing we want is for, for the season to start and all, all the people that are registered, their names aren't in Squaddy. Um, it's not a Squaddy issue. It's a linking to Football Australia's play football issue. So we're working on it big time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a big one too, isn't it? And I suppose yeah. this is... If we're talking about all these, the, the, I keep thinking in my head the 625% and what that means for mm-hmm. football, uh, it basically all those figures being uplifted means that there's a whole lot of work required. So I'm you know, over to you, Sheriff, in terms of the amount of work that is required to administer things to get it ready for a season. I mean, already there's a night series underway and there's, there's administration required for that, but the big one is the season starting, organising yeah. all the referees, making sure all the names are in the system, making sure the fixtures are organised, everyone's registered as they need to be. But Dave's having a laugh because he's thinking, how the hell are they going to do that and do it in time and not have any complaints? And <laughs> yeah, I remember it well. I mean, we were just one club, you know. <laughs> Madness. Opening manual then, David, opening manual. I've yeah, noticed a couple of... It works, it's fine. I've noticed a couple of clubs have reverted back to open days. I've been to a couple of them in the past couple of weeks and I remember the ones at Melville, mm. Dave. They were massive and we had the likes of, I think there was Trent Sainsbury came down yeah, to one had. of them. We had a line of about 500 kids <laughs> and that was just to get his autograph. Yeah. And then the registrar had desks lined up with their laptops open and they were taking all the parents while the kids were getting the autographs and kicking the soccer ball around. And this was great because it engaged the community. There was a connect there, the the parents and the families came to see if they liked the club and what they provided and the people that they were going to put their, their trust in for their kids to play there and their hard-earned money for the year. Yeah. And all that. But a lot of it in the last the couple of years has been uh, online. It's just, yeah. to just ring this number or email this yeah. person and <laughs> go through Squaddy or Football Australia registration link or whatever it is. And, and it's there's, I've sensed a bit of frustration in that. Yeah. So the fact that some clubs have gone back to the open day where they're face-to-face with people to answer questions mm. and sort through things, I quite like that. Yeah, it is. It's good. I remember that very day when Trent Sainsbury was there and people were asking me, who's he? And, you know, I says, is he number 20? He's played for Australia yeah. with 50, 60 times. You know? yeah. Come on. Community football day. <laughs> mm. uh, Sheriff, it's been absolutely awesome uh, having a chat with you. Yep. Before we go, I just like I just like to. I know you're talking about later. I just like to acknowledge John Talbot, obviously a football life, yes. football West life member, and a big, 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 big loss to the to the football community. And just like to acknowledge that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Th- thanks for that. He, he was a hell of a nice guy too. He was absolutely, absolutely a big, a big loss to us all. And you know, you're both life members, yeah. and um, you understand what what you know how much he's put into it. And just on that topic, the the applications for life memberships will be coming out in the next week or so. And so, um, if there's others who are out there who are, you know, done a lot for football, but what keep keep an eye out for that. Yeah, and then yeah. You two will be are, will be involved in that process as well. Okay. Has to be soon. One of the things, uh, Sharif, is important. Uh, you know, it's it's a complete sort of person. Somebody's maybe played, or has played, and kids or senior, but have been in committees. And they've been involved in the building of a club and the, the continuation of clubs getting better. And, you know, it's it's not just, well, you're a top player. It's about the, the, the effort put in, you know, doing the line marking, doing 
fixing goals, doing administration work, doing canteens and all, all that sort of stuff. You know, it's really important that people think about that and, and try and put a collective together on what somebody's actually done yep. for the yeah, and, and there's, the role. there's a differential too uh, when we're talking about me, uh, life membership. Um, a lot of people uh, uh, dedicate their lives to a club um, and Heinz Gashk, who's passed on this week, um, he was a Melville Alemania man through and through and then, and then Leeming um, it was involved <laughs> with the Ryan Donahue Club and he he was a football man through and through and um, he did a lot of work and a lot of support in that Melville area, always in the city of Melville, so with those two clubs I mentioned. Um, and then there's someone like John Talbot, who's involved with the setup of the Peel Regional Football Council, the Junior Standing Committee, and, and there's different levels of his involvement in in the wider community of football. So yeah. the recognition is different. Still uh, totally res- respectable and their um, effort in the game was it, totally immense, both of them, but in different spaces. So we're, when we're talking about life membership for Football West, it's about uh, involvement in the whole community of football and how does that person put back to benefit the whole community of football. And, and sometimes it's a bit of a fine line and someone gives their whole life to a football club and that benefits the rest of the community sometimes. Yep. Yep. But, yeah, just... Thanks, guys. Sheriff, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Appreciate that. I uh, hope you find some football free space because the Matildas are playing, then Perth Glory's playing, and then there's night series games. Yeah, there's a lot happening this Spot weekend. Spot for choice tonight. Spot for choice tonight. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Enjoy. Stay safe. All right. Cheers. Good, thanks. Good See ya. Bye. That was Sharif Andrews, the chair of Football West, just bringing us up to speed with a few things. Yeah, good. Uh, good gives him a chance to pre-season to express his views and how things are going, you know, and uh, yep. you'd like to think they'll be running about like he- headless chooks just trying to get things together. We, we know they will. We're going to go to a break and we'll come back and have a chat to Graham Stewart. This is Penn and Dave on the World Football Programme. Coaching football. Is it about leading your nation? Or giving back to your community? Is it about inspiring the next generation? Or just spending time together? Find out what coaching football means to you. Visit myfootballclub.com.au Everybody has goals. Whether it's learning a new skill or passing on knowledge making new friends is it finding a career path or reaching your full potential chase your goals see where football can take you this is the biggest thing to happen when australia will stop that changed this game forever in this country our faces are splattered everywhere it's lighting a fire inside of all of us just to see the next success come through They've got some newfound confidence. We don't take it on as pressure. We we take it as, look at this, it's such a privilege being able to play at home in front of 50, 70,000 old people. There was a massive impetus, no one expected it. This is what we've all dreamed about. Their epic win against France is the biggest sporting moment in the nation's history since Cathy Freeman's 400-metre win at the Sydney Olympics. It was wild. Everywhere I went, people were talking about the Tillies. I'd be on my way to uni and people were in Tilly's jerseys. 
All my mates on socials were interacting with their hosts, heading to games, watching it on TV. He's a care. The majority of Australia care about women in sports. If you put women's jerseys in stores, people will buy them. If you put women's sport on TV, people will watch. It was genuinely a moment where just the country felt united. I've just, you know, walked down the street with Maka just before and everyone was just saying thank you. I've loved seeing it live. I've loved watching it on TV. I've loved the way that they have just kept going and they have done the nation proud. They have given the Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Dave in the studio and the new addition is Graham Stewart, Melville Alemania. Do we say Melville Alemania reunion team or do you say Melville Alemania? Well, we, we called ourselves the Melville Alemania uh, reunion committee, I think, uh, was the MARC, was the, uh, the official title. And I've so I kept on using it uh, uh, when I've had to spread the uh, sad news about the uh, loss of uh, her past president and secretary. Yes, absolutely, and, and we'll talk about that. It's been a, um, a a pretty sad week, actually, with the passing of both John Talbot and Heinz. How do you say his name? I always just view him as Heinz, but is it Gashik? I just say Heinz Gashk. Gashk, OK. Gashka, yeah. All right, I think anyone who was involved with Melville Alemania in the past, I don't know, 30, 30 years, 40 years, would know Heinz. Well, there wasn't only Heinz, uh, there was his younger brother, Adolf, and his even younger brother, George. So there was the three brothers, and uh, the two of them uh, were instrumental in basically establishing the club uh, way back in 1969, which was known as uh, Alemania to begin with. And um, there was also Klaus Lehnhardt, who was uh, one of the founding members as, as well. And then the following year, they uh, decided to, uh, to change the name to Melville. Alemania, and um, basically that stuck until later on when there was a merger with, um, uh, well, it was Canning Corinthians at the time, and they basically changed the name to Melville Corinthian, and then subsequently um, Leaming Strikers sort of came on the scene and wanted to sort of co-share the facilities at John Connell Reserve with uh, Leaming Spartans, the cricket team, so... Um, that was when the uh, the name was uh, changed and it basically became the uh, Leeming Strikers way back in uh, 1997. And um, Heinz didn't stop there. Um, you know, he was actually the vice president and bar manager of, uh, of Leeming Strikers from uh, 1980, sorry, 1997 to 2003. And he was actually made a life member um, sometime in 2000 um, when we were preparing the reunion the uh, the last time. Um, I was hoping that somebody from Leeming Strikers would, would tell us exactly when uh, he was made a life member, but um, unfortunately the uh, President and Secretary at the time uh, didn't respond to, uh, to any of my emails. But um, uh, even when we were holding the uh, reunion at the Rindona Club, um, he was the uh, Leeming Strikers representative on the uh, Leeming Sports Association. So... Um, he certainly had a, uh, a distinguished uh, career and um, it didn't finish there because, uh, you know, I used to go down and support Coburn City, predominantly the home games, and uh, more often than not, Heinz would be, would be there. And, um, you know, I can always remember one time, uh, you know, I, saw, I thought it was Heinz, you know, you'd recognise Heinz uh, anywhere. And, um, you know, I went up to him and said, oh, hi, hi, Heinz, how are you going? You know, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I had to explain to him who, who I was. 
and um, you know, it, um, so it became a bit of a joke afterwards because you know when I would see him at Coburn City on uh, every other Saturday. So, do you remember who I am? <laughs> he was a funny fella. Yeah, he loved his football and he he loved the soccer and the sense of community and family. Um, it, I I kind of associate him with the Ryan Donahue Club and Oktoberfest. Um, that uh, most of the girls seem to go to at some point. I've been involved with the, the ladies' teams there, and he loved us ladies. Yeah, yeah, He thought we were wonderful. Well, you know, he was instrumental. Him and his wife, Mariana, were instrumental in basically establishing the ladies' team way back in 1976. And, um, you know, he, him and his wife would be at basically the men's games on the Saturday, and as well they would be there at the, uh, the ladies' games, both home and away on the uh, on the Sunday. So, okay. you know, you can see the dedication. And, you know, certainly... Melville was a family club. Um, you know, Adolf's wife was there. Um, George, uh, um, the kids, uh, Robin and uh, Olivia, they were, uh, you know, basically running around. They didn't have much option, but basically to tag, <laughs> tag along with uh, with mum and dad as to the uh, had their uh, football fix at the uh, at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, but that was um, Melville City came and. 1989, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, to be honest, I haven't got too much um, association with the juniors. I know there's a lot of um, ex-players actually came through the juniors as they existed at, uh, at that particular uh, particular time. So um, it's not like it is now where, uh, you know, I was saying to, uh, uh, to Penny when she phoned me up yesterday and asked if I'd come on the show today, I uh, was driving down... Uh, Hamilton Road and went past, um, uh, you know, the old Beale Park where Coburn United uh, played and where I played after um, after Melville and, um, you know, the amount of uh, kids that were uh, running around there and basically it was creating a traffic jam uh, uh, on Hamilton Road with all the cars waiting to turn right. Uh, into the uh, into the sort of uh, limited parking facilities. Absolutely, very limited. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we will say at this uh, at this time too that um, John Talbot also passed during this week, which is it's kind of crazy, isn't it? That um, two amazing people passed in the same week. Yeah, I think there's going to be some interesting um, wakes in 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 following the funerals when it will bring some amazing people together to talk about things like we're talking about, Graham. And that's one of the things that I you know I, I appreciate when we. We bring this to the football community attention. People go to the funeral mm. and they gather and they and they remember about that person and they bring some good memories to the conversation. Well, it's a celebration of a life, isn't it? And uh, you know, certainly that's what uh, we intend to do. Um, you know, after the proceedings, um, uh, just for those that uh, are listening, uh, the funeral's on Tuesday, the fifth of March at uh, twelve o'clock. Uh, it's at the Puzzle and Chippers Chapel. Uh, which is number 68 Robinson Place in uh, in Rockingham. And then there will be a burial service afterwards at the uh, Rockingham, Ce- um, Rockingham Cemetery, which is at the... Uh, but um, it's early days yet, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm sure we'll come up with a venue where we, where we can all congregate afterwards and, uh, you know, remember uh, Hines. Yeah, and we we appreciate that. And thanks, thanks for your time just to kind of bring us up to speed. There's a lot of people out there that probably didn't know Hines and the involvement that he's had at the club. Um, maybe they know of him with Leeming or they know of him with the Ryan Donahue Club, but he has a very long association in um, 
soccer, football in the Melville area. Yeah, well, certainly, as I mentioned, there was the three brothers, Heinz, Adolf and, uh, and, uh, and George, you know, and George actually subsequently, the youngest, became president. And, um, you know, he was synonymous with his, ch- with his chant, Melville Alemania, go, go, go. So uh, he was a lot more vocal than, uh, than Heinz and, uh, and Adolf. But, um, you know, certainly when you saw the work that they did behind the scenes, putting up the nets, lining the pitches, um, and they were instrumental, primarily Heinz and um, I think it was David Powell that was the um, sec- uh, president at that particular time. Heinz had moved on to, uh, to secretary. But um, we had this issue, we got into the State League in 1983 and we had these issues about having, a, having to have a, a fence ground. And at the time we were playing at Lenshear Reserve in Burragoon and the locals were getting uptight about having this sort of fence around the ground. So um, we were able to, um, you know, through a lot of negotiations from what I understand with um, you know, predominantly Hines and, and David, we were able to get us the, uh, the John Connell Reserve. So... Um, you know, these sorts of things, you know, you just turn up and you play and you don't sort of realise all the stuff that's basically going on behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's one thing that I really appreciated and discovered along the way about uh, John Talbot is that he was involved with the the uh, football in the Mandra area, the Peel region, and like Dave was saying before, it was segregated and he brought the different factions together. They um, got the, the Peelwood facility built and he was part of that. Um, and that was in about early 2000, um, and that stands today uh, as the the main manager of facility there. Um, he's been on the uh, junior standing committee and um, a life member of Football West, and he was always at functions. Yeah, always. Yeah. And he's a very very smart man, very astute, and a wicked sense of humour, <laughs> um, which I always appreciate. He always sidle up to me and make a comment about this and that and his observations. And um, it, like Hines, he was involved with the setup of things and the bringing together of things. He loved his football. Mm. So thanks, thanks guys, for sharing all that. Um, it, it's, it's good to recognise people in the community. Yeah, certainly, yeah, certainly is, and thanks for the opportunity of, um, you know, talking about Heinz, and, um, uh, you know, hopefully we can get a good turnout to uh, to see him on his way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A- absolutely. Um, Dave, I, it's interesting because you, you were the president of the Melville City Football Club, and Graham has talked about several connects yeah, across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're, we're talking about two separate clubs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's funny, you know, th- during the travels of... Uh, myself going around talking to different people in this modern era uh, guys who go back say oh but I used to play for Melville Mania did you know of them I said oh yeah I knew you know but I didn't know that much yeah I just knew they were there yep and it did moved on and ended up as Canning City yeah, yeah subsequently well it was Melville Corinthians um, yeah and then basically it became Leeming Strikers yeah so. well I actually found a sign big sign uh, Corinthians, hmm. Corinthians Bar it was. Well, that's when we were having the reunion. I think I sent you an email because I was looking because I can always remember when we were in there at John Connell at the bar above. You know, we got lots of memorabilia. So I don't know to this day what uh, what happened to it, but um, uh, I know you sort of. I think you said you would get on to any Todd and see if there was. Uh, See if it could be found, but uh, uh, it uh, it wasn't. So uh, I, have, no. I have a question about that, John Connell. Where, who was that in the community? Do you know the history of the name John Connell? 
Not specifically. It's probably a bit like Len Shearer. Where did that come from? Yeah, I don't know. We Dave? did find a f- the family member of Len Shearer, yeah. Okay. Because there was a plaque and uh, the place was done up and the plaque was taken down and somebody came in to the club and said, where's, where's the plaque for my dad's or my granddad's yeah. name used to be in the wall? And that's, that's due for a new facility mm. sometime in the next 12 months or so, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be knocked down and rebuilt. Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. All right, guys, we're going to go to a break. Um, we'll try and tee up uh, Rudy Safiotti ringing us. Yep. Do you want to have one last uh, comment? Just on, on the, the, the memorabilia, um, we went through, Benny was involved as well, we, we went through everything in the club. We cleared out the change rooms, and mm-hmm. uh, the storeroom and everything. Never come across anything of any interest, such as an old cop or something that was... Melville, Alamania, but there was some cops without any stamps on them. Uh, yeah, hadn't yeah, been, yeah, yeah. but they could have been because they I were think, behind the bar. Yeah, the, old the bar. store was pretty much the change room, wasn't yeah. it, Dave? Mm. From recollection, there was an area above the bar where you know we even had some pennants and and things like that. So and this makes this makes me very sad because being part of the football hall of fame set up, Brett Klushnik and I, we cry every time someone says they've ditched stuff at the tip, um, oh, the collection no. of trophies and things like that because. Well, you know, people before, that's what they used to do, but now there's more of a connect to the history to try yeah. and preserve it, and that's what we really want to do because it tells the story. Yeah. Mm. People forget it's the story, but we want to tell it. Previous uh, pre- uh, ch- president, Graham Davis, he got his father-in-law to do up the old bar because mm. it sat basically empty, doing nothing for years. Yeah, yeah. And then 2000, early 2000s maybe, mm. he, he got it done up, and that's the bar is there now, you know. Guys, we're going to go to a break and tee up that phone call with Rita Safiotti. So we've got Graham Stewart, Dave Connors, and myself, Penny Hoth, in the studio. Stay with us for more conversation after this. 9 FM, your local station. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor.
Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny, Dave and Graham in the studio. We're talking football until noon today. Our guest online is the Deputy Minister, Rita Safiotti. Good morning, Minister. Good morning, Penny. And hey. Graham, is it? Yes, and Dave. Hi. Uh, Dave, sorry. Yeah, we've yep. got a full hey, studio. Thanks for joining us. Really do appreciate that. There's so much happening in football at the moment and the legacy report has just been released from Football Australia post the Women's World Cup 23 tournament. How will that affect us here in Western Australia? So I haven't seen that report, but um, I know that we're investing heavily in the in the game in WA um, in particular um, for facilities and other um, other infrastructure in the state. But um, we've got, of course, we've got the, na- the new state football centre and we've also announced um, at the end of last year grants to clubs to help support, improve facilities for the women's game. We've just heard from the chair of Football West, Sheriff Andreas, that the numbers for registrations this year are up at least 30%, which is when you convert that to actual numbers and volunteers and just a resource that are going to be needed in the game here is massive. How will the government be helping us? For example, State Football Centre, there's multiple stages that are needed to um, develop the facilities there and so forth. Um, is that part of something that you were talking about earlier, the funding being put back into the football here? Yeah, there's a couple of things, or there's a number of things. First of all, there's a, the football centre itself. There's a commitment to two new pitches there, which um, is, fun, is funded, and so that'll increase the number of pitches there to four, and being the sort of the state football centre, the headquarters of football for WA, it's about making sure we continue to support, the, in particular, uh, the development of juniors around the state. Um, as part of... Um, the opening of the Sam Kerr Football Centre, we also announced around $2.4 million for the women's NPL t- uh, clubs for improved infrastructure. So our big focus um, is currently trying to get the pitches, the lighting and the change rooms um, improved around the state to support the massive growth in, um, in, in registrations. So we know that in particular, in some, in some instances, the pitches aren't up to scratch the lighting, and I think for me the lighting's a big one because we know that some teams can't train at night or beyond a particular time because the lights just aren't up to it. And, of course, change rooms and having change rooms that can adapt or are available for women as well as, as men. So we've got $2.4 million um, available to the uh, women's NPL teams and we'll continue to support through uh, our community sport and recreation fund further funds to support the, the game. So it is a big focus for us is to improve the facilities around the state. What kind of timeline are we thinking there? Let's say we have um, 10,000 more girls and women and generally people playing soccer this year, football this year, from the figures that Sharif's just given us. What will that mean this year? Oh, well, uh, the grants are available from now, so it will really depending on the teams being able to... Uh, get their uh, grants in and, and to upgrade. In, in many instances, this is also council, um, council's work, so we have to work with local governments about their time frame for development too. So we've made it a massive priority from government perspective, like I said, building and opening the Sand Football um, uh, Centre, grants, more pitches, 
And we're also looking at what else we can do around the state as in playing fields to try and create more playing fields for the massive increase in registrations. That's, that is a massive one, Minister. That is probably the one that we've talked about the most for I don't know how many years now. I mean, with the increasing infill of the urban areas, where do we get that green space? And when new estates open up, how do we relate dog walking areas to football space and uh, soccer, uh, not soccer space, hockey space and other space that we, we absolutely need? How do we get that when we don't have it? Well, a couple of things. One of them is pitch quality. And I think, you know, I've, I've been around a number of pitches over my um, my years as a mum supporting her kids playing the game. And it does vary. And as a result, sometimes you can't utilise the pitches when you should because of the quality. So we're very keen to work with councils on how we can improve the quality of the pitches. The second, I think, is lighting. And I would say that because, again, there are a number of pitches that aren't used at night and aren't being used to their full capacity because of the lighting. And so, and third is, you know, local governments, my, my, sometimes my frustration, and I remember watching this play out when I was, I think, in opposition, watching the debate about the new state football centre, and there were proposals to put it, I think, as I recall, around Ashfield, I think, at one time. And, yes, there was. And local, local communities and councils then saying no. And I, I get that a bit, that, that's slightly frustrating because, you know, we... We have a number of pitches. I think we can actually utilise them more and sometimes there is a bit of a debate in that local community and that's why we need local governments to support junior sport because I know um, that local pitches and local, um, uh, I suppose, sporting activity brings extra cars and traffic and, and um, sometimes it's like it can inconvenience um, local residents but ultimately we want our kids out there and there is limited space and you just can't keep... Um, building new um, new pitches, in particular in infill, so it's about how we utilise our pitches, our, our open space better. And for me, it's all about uh, those three things. My focus, you know, in, in particular my treasury role, uh, change rooms, pitch quality, and lighting, because that's what I think we need to continue to improve on. I was at uh, the Ashfield Sports Club during the week for the Football Hall of Fame meeting, actually, and um, I was. It brought to my attention that they do walking football. They have the men's state league and they have women's football there. Um, very big facility, but they still have problems with the residents in the neighbourhood, balls and the lights and, and things like that. And I thought, wow, this is a massive facility. Um, there's probably three or four pitches there. Um, and there's also a little bit of a problem with um, break-ins to cars. And, and I thought, wow... Is that a security thing? Is it a more people being around thing? Is it a re-educating the residents? Because um, if we want to do what you're suggesting and make some of those spaces friendly and accessible, then we've got to kind of encounter those problems and fix them. Yeah, and that's where local government plays a key role. Uh, like I said, many of these facilities or ovals are controlled <laughs> by local government. Um, and as I said, as a state government, we're very keen to partner and sometimes directly fund some of these projects as we can see from a state perspective, um, from a whole of state and, and community perspective, we need to be doing this. By many instances, and, I, and like I said, I've seen this play out, I, in particular in that instance, I remember um, that there was a lot of local resistance. And I think that's a pity because everyone says, oh, we want kids outside, we want kids playing sport, we want kids um, not you know, in front of you know a PlayStation or so. And then it's a whole community, I suppose, uh, role to help support that 
And so that's, that's where I think local government plays a key role. They're the ones that um, can help facilitate these improvements. I, that's a really that's, sorry, Dave. That, that's a really important comment that you made there. Someone said to me during the week, if property sizes are reducing and there's no backyards, how can you tell your kid with all that energy and vocals to get out in the backyard when there isn't one? You, you're pushing them out into the front of the house or or to the street. And this community concept of 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 hubs where there's a safe place for kids to go, for people to go, and you know all the different sports together. Did I just steal your thunder, Dave? No, no, it's brilliant. I think it's absolutely correct and how, yep. how, how the, the, the world is changing. Yes, absolutely. Or, or is it Western Australia? No, it's the world. Yeah, it, it is, and it's, it's going from your backyard to your house, which was the safe haven and the place to be, to how do we create a community place, a space, <clears> to <throat> bring up the village, right? It's that yep. village mentality of how do we get that now? We've got to create it again. Yeah. We have a... a Disaster happening down in Maddington right now. Minister, I think I actually talked to you about this, is the footy field in, beside the council yard. It's yeah, gonna, yeah, I know this one. Yep. It's, it's going to be housed in trees in the middle of it and people screaming for green grass to play sport on. Was it a football field? Is that what no, you mean? No, f- footy. Okay. As in, you know, that Australian AFL. game. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that Australian game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, look, um, but there are a couple of things too, though, and this is, again, the, the other point I'd say, uh, public open space versus active open space too. And I think in some of the newer developments, uh, we have to make sure we have active open space, which is, you know, basically grass and, uh, in a squ- you know, a pitch or, a, um, or an oval size plus other courts. We've got a big deficiency, I think, in basketball courts as well, which is another uh, another thing. So, look... I'm working with the Minister for Sport um, on what else we can do to help support the growth of uh, active open space. And like I said, sometimes there's a debate over whether people... Like, there's sometimes a debate that we shouldn't have as much lawn, that we should um, uh, get rid of the lawn and then plant the trees. But then if you get rid of the lawn and the grass, where do the kids play? So my view is active open space is very important in the community, which is... uh, place uh, where people can set up their own little goals if they want to, uh, can run around and uh, children and adults can play a sport um, and it can be a hub. Look, I totally agree. I, mean, it's, I just I would like to see more and more use of our existing um, spaces and a more welcoming attitude to using those spaces. And just for your reference, Minister, the Legacy 23 report that's just come out is it's a post-tournament report Women's World Cup, and it's pretty much reviewing the success that we achieved um, and leveraging that moving forward, um, emphasising funding, etc., like that. So I'm pretty sure it'll be across your table at some point. Um, sure. I haven't had a good look at it myself. It's just a, an overview that um, pretty much is reviewing the, the tournament, which was a massive success um, in terms of media and support and recognition, etc. So we're all hoping that that yeah. leaves a really good legacy. Um, just uh, moving on to something else, Perth Glory ownership. We know that um, Perth Glory landed an owner uh, last Sunday on a very hot day, um, and yeah. government officials were there. And I, I just my comment on that is that I, I'm liking the fact that we got a new owner for Perth Glory, and its government was there to support it. So just tell us about the the connection there with government and how that's going to work with Perth Glory moving forward. Uh, sure. Both the minister and I, uh, when I think it was last July, August, when 
when uh, it was announced that Perth Glory was going to receive a ship. Um, Minister Templeman and myself had a teams meeting with, with the A-League, the CEO of the A-League at the time, to understand exactly what was going to happen in relation to the Glory, in, in particular the licence, like what, what would happen to the team and the licence. And at the time, um, the receivers were also, I think, in that meeting. And so I suppose we were heard, um, I suppose, the very, the harsh reality of what where Glory was at and the A-League's view on what could potentially happen in the future. And from our perspective, we, what we heard was there was a risk that that licence would not stay in WA. And we, as a, a government, very keen to make sure we can continue keeping uh, a league team in Western Australia and keep Perth Glory alive, given its long and rich history. So I think from that, it's pretty much uh, myself and the Minister for Sport worked together and said put forward a package of incentives uh, to ensure that we could continue to keep an A-League team in WA. They centred on um, three key components, HBF Stadium, um, some, of the, some of the issues around that, uh, training facilities, and the third was further investment and support in junior football, um, in inreach into schools, uh, the women's game, and also regional, because there was Glory had planned to do some good visits into regional WA, and so we put out a package of support on the, on those three fronts, and we put that, and that was available to anyone, and that was available to anyone who was bidding for the team, and so. As we know, there was a, a, a bid that initially was, was I think, said to be successful, but that fell over. And then finally, um, the Pellegra group became successful. And so from now on, from this point on, we will we'll work with that group about how we, I suppose, action some of those um, some of those support programs with our big focus very much being on glory in the community and building up um, its membership base and its, I suppose, sponsorship so it can be sustainable into the future. That's that's good to hear. That's what we yep. all want to, want to hear, working together. Yeah, well, certainly I was a foundation member of Perth Glory and I can remember going to uh, the HBF Stadium, as it's known now, and, uh, you know, we were getting, uh, you know, 14,000, 15,000. You know, there was people going there before the 4 o'clock or you know, I think it was about half 4 kickoff. You know, there was people going in there at 2.30 to secure their seats. There was no... Uh, there was no sort of uh, ticket master or ticket tech in in those days, so uh, you know certainly um, you know kids need to have something to aspire to, and uh, you know there's nothing better than the local team. Yeah, I was I went to the first game with my dad and my sister, so I remember um, <laughs> remember hearing the song, thinking, "Wow, this is this is huge." You know, like the whole professionalism at the time yeah. was pretty oh, cool. Was, oh, the entertainment as well. Yeah, Steve, yeah. Steve really. Armstrong, uh, Steve Armstrong yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah, and it's still, you know, still a great song. And look, a lot of people have a lot of rich history with Perth Glory. I think over time, and you know, uh, there's probably a number of different reasons. Is that there's been, in a sense, a disconnect between Glory, Football West, and then the community clubs too. So, from a from a government perspective, it's all about, you know, one of one of the things we need to do with with the game WA is have them all work together, and we're going to try and um, support that. And that means, I think, you know, you know, a good glory is one that's connected to the community that has a lot of um, support from the clubs, and is also tied in with Football West. And I think 
that is a huge opportunity in WA in a sense because we have one A-League team. We don't have multiple. So, you know, we can do it well. And to, you know, to keep kids in the game, we know there's a huge, you know, huge um, in, up, in, uptake, um, in particular with the, with the girls of the game. To keep them in the game, you know, from that age of about 12 to 18, I think is an important thing. And then to continually make sure that glory has its own sustainable future. Um, and, and there's no reason it shouldn't do because of, you know, we've got a good pop, big population and we've got a population that will and has in the past supported the Perth glory. Well, we know that we come out in droves, look at the Women's World Cup and all the fixtures got sold yeah. out that mm. were here at the HBF during last year. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And wasn't that, it was only a few years ago that we were playing a, um, a final at Optus Stadium, Perth Glory, with, you know, I think over 55,000 people, I think 60, I can't. It yeah. was, so it's not that long ago, they were at the top, and of course COVID and all the other impacts came. But uh, we do believe, and that's why we want to make sure that we work as a government to support and facilitate a good outcome um, in relation to the glory. And it wasn't so long ago, <clears throat> excuse me, it wasn't so long ago too that Australia played Bangladesh or Thailand, the, this is the Matildas at the HBF, and we had less than 5,000 people there. And they come forward now to post Women's World Cup, you can't get a ticket to watch the Matildas yeah, in Australia. Yeah, it's fantastic. Love it. Yeah, now, no. Before yeah. we let you go, Minister, uh, the Friends of Football, tell us about the connect to the community in 2024. As in the Parliamentary Friends of Football? Yes. Yeah, so that's a, that's a group that's been set out, set up bipartisan. Um, it has a number of regional members. And I think one of the things that the Parliamentary Friends of Football can give is, a, and, and I know, for example, the member for Kalgoorlie and the members for Albany, so Ali Kent from Kalgoorlie and Rebecca Stevens from Albany, they're very, they're, they're very strong football supporters um, for a number of reasons, and they're really keen to make sure that we can continue to to grow the game in the regions. And we've seen some, you know, really successful talent coming from regional WA. But like, you know, like all games, sometimes you struggle for um, exposure. And so one of the things in particular the Parliamentary Friends of Football can give is our regional members working with both Football West and also the Glory in creating opportunities for regional WA um, in football because, again, it's, um, it's very well supported. Um, I know at the Bunbury Cup, for example, which I used to go to a lot with the kids, um, you know, the South West has a lot of activity and, of course, around the state. So it's all about making sure that we can continue to work and expose the game. And I think more and more, in particular, as our parliament becomes more and more diverse, more people with different sort of, um, uh, I suppose, experience and also passions are in the parliament and that helps promote sports that maybe didn't get such a high priority um, maybe you know, 20 years ago. Well, the fact that you're on this program and it's the second time you've been on this program and Dave Templeman... Uh, the minister has been on this program several times. He's got an awesome sense of humour. It's a killer yeah. one, by the way. Um, he comes on the program too. And this is all helping increase the profile. The fact that he wants to come on, you want to come on and, and share the news. Thank you. Really do appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Stay, stay safe and have a fantastic weekend, Minister. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. That was the Minister, Rita Safiotti, joining us to talk football. So I hope there was a couple of timelines in that conversation. I didn't actually pick them out. Um, be nice for stage 
I don't know what we're up to with the State Football Centre. Two, three? Uh, I'd like to see that actually progress in my lifetime. That would be super. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know... Which is the development of the pitches and then a bigger facility in the actual middle, the the, the office complex and so forth. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she said that the grants are in place for the the two pitches. Yes, which is great. Yeah. And grants are available at club level, so if people Mm. are aware... Contact the local council to develop their facilities, change rooms, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, bring it on. We are going to go to a break and we'll come back and chat to Gareth Morgan from Perth Glooring. Stay with us. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. the glory and we're singing because this story must be told we sing glory come on glory glory boys give us a goal our game's a great tradition let the future now unfold when the glory marches on glory glory birth Strike like lightning, and their goals will have a feast. Our defense will take all the blows of any from the east. You'll hear the crowd a roaring, and you'll know that we are one when the glory marches on. Glory, glory, Perth, glory. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Sorry if the volume went up then. That was just some kind of weird glitch. And <laughs> nothing to do with me. I didn't touch the panel at all. Um, you're back with uh, Graham, Penny and Dave on the World Football Program, talking more football through to 12 o'clock. Guest on the line at the moment is the media man for Perth Glory, Gareth Morgan. Good morning, Gareth. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, Graham. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. Hi there. Good on you. We've had some robust conversations this morning in, in terms of... Uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground. And one of the things I really liked from talking to the Minister, Rita Safiotti, was the connect of the government with the football now. So for me, for us on this radio show, to try and get someone from government previous to a few years ago was actually pretty difficult. Um, Now they're happy to come and have a chat and the connect to community football, Perth Glory, professional football and, and so forth is really quite good, Gareth. Absolutely, and, and Rita spoke extremely well at the media conference that we had 
at HBF Park last Sunday. You know, her commitment that she made on behalf of, of the state government was, was music to our ears, really. She's been such a massive proponent of Perth Glory and, and football in general in WA, and it's fantastic to have her support and uh, also that of the state government, of course. Yes, and uh, I'm not quite sure if Dave Templeman, the Minister for Sport, was there at that... Um um, was, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, because he's been on the show a couple of times too and, uh, yeah, he, he loves his sport and everyone seems to have a pretty good, uh, you know, affable sense of humour and good approach and a bit of a love of football. I don't know if they developed that love of football because the Matildas and Socceroos have been doing so well <laughs> in the last couple of years, but it's all good, isn't it? It adds in and gives us the exposure that we really have been seeking. Well, yeah, I mean, a, a David Templeman media conference is always worth going to. I mean, I've been to conferences where he's, he's, he's sung songs, he's um, yeah. Yeah, been, sort of, been karaoke sessions. There's, there's never a dull moment. It must be, uh, being David's PR person must be, must be brilliantly entertaining, I would say. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, probably these, these kind of people are the ones that rise to the top because they kind of, yeah, capture, capture you along the way. So it's all good. But um, the, the Connect to Glory is pretty amazing and uh, I, I hope that it continues. And Rita was saying, or the minister, I should say, was saying that um, the government jumped on board when they thought that um, we might lose a team from WA in the National League. And I thought that's that's great that it kicked or ticked enough boxes that someone wanted to do something about it. And they put a package together and I thought that that was music to my ears that they had done enough research and they put enough investment of resources into it to to help. That was good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely so reassuring that the, the state government, you know, regards Perth Glory as something that is important to yes. you know, the community of WA and not necessarily just the just the football community either, but the wider community of WA. And as you said, music to everyone's ears, I think, who's uh, got a love for the club and a love the world game in this state. So we have a new owner now. What can we expect as fans? Will there be some significant changes or will it be uh, as as per normal? I mean, Perth Glory men's team's doing pretty damn good at the moment. They haven't lost in five matches. That's you know, music to our ears for sure. But there's some things that we need to work on. Can we expect something? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's very early days, Penny still at the moment. I mean, in fairness to, to Ross Pelligri, he immediately sort of put his money where his mouth is with their 3,000 free tickets for 16s and under. Uh, they've been snapped up very quickly. I'm just in the process of trying to check if they've actually all been snapped up because I was on Ticketmaster a moment or two ago just checking and I, I couldn't actually access them. So I've got a feeling they might all have gone. So that was a fantastic uh, gesture or, or initiative right off the bat that he announced at that press conference last weekend. Uh, you mentioned, obviously, Stadge and, and the team, the men's team, going extremely well at the moment. I would imagine that some planning is going on there purely because, as with every season, a lot of players will be out of contract come the end of the season. As you know, most contracts in the A-League are either one year or two years long. So inevitably, at the end of every year, you've got well, usually at least half your squad, if not more, coming out of contract. And those negotiations you know, need to be going on now rather than uh, come the end of the season. So uh, I imagine uh, there'll be some planning going on between the owners and the football department on that. In terms of sort of structural changes to the club or, or other major changes to the club, I would imagine you probably see most of those taking place uh, once the current campaign has finished. We've got, I think it's nine games left 
regular season games left for the men, and I think six for the women off the top of my head. So I, I would imagine that we will see sort of more changes being made in the off season as far as, like I said, sort of structural changes and, and, and that kind of thing is concerned. Yes, and uh, the gesture of the 3,000 tickets was a good one. We already had the 16 and under go free for the A-League women, which was, yeah. I think that was an F, uh, not an FA. Um, what's APL the, initiative. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yep, yeah, APL initiative, which was a good one. And uh, we saw people through the gates, well, we are seeing people through the gates for the A-League W just massively increase this <coughs> year. And, and that's what we want post a women's World Cup or any World Cup, we want to see people being interested and converting that interest that they had in an international campaign in, in the local campaign. Absolutely, absolutely, couldn't couldn't agree more, Penny. And I think what what's also encouraging uh, about Ross is that he's made it quite clear that he, he's very keen to listen. He's not sort of come in claiming that he's got a silver bullet solution to every football problem in the state. Uh, we've got a an FRG meeting, the Glory 10 meeting coming up this Tuesday, and I'm hoping to arrange a meeting between the FRG and Ross Baliga as soon as we possibly can. He is based in Melbourne, uh, so that might well, either take place the next time he's in Perth or possibly over over Zoom. And then the Shed Tour of Duty, of course, is coming up next month, which is in Melbourne, coincidentally, this year. So I'll be trying to work there to, to arrange a meeting between uh, Ross and uh, the guys who are on that trip as well, just to, to get that dialogue going and, uh, yeah, as to have an exchange of information and for him to, to listen and for people to be able to have their say. Yeah, I think that's really Im- important that he is willing to listen and he'll open the door to a seat around the table. I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to have a say um, uh, and just <laughs> yeah. having that opportunity is is good, but um, yeah, we are nearing the end of the season, so I, I guess from this point we'll be talking about the new season, um, and I hope that involves um, some stability too. Like uh, Alan Stadic has been pretty wonderful for the men's side of the game, um, so I kind of hope that he'll be coming back for another season. Is that so? I, I mean, he's under contract, and he's so. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not privy to those conversations, but I've certainly not seen any indications that that won't be the case at this stage. OK. And what about Alex Packers? He must be nearing, I think he had three years. Is that three years now, this season? Yeah, yeah. if not four, actually. I think this might be season four for Alex. Uh, yeah, because we had yeah the first season, then two when they just missed out, and then this one. So, um, yeah, again, uh, under contract, at the moment and, and haven't heard anything to the contrary in terms of his future. A big game, obviously they've got a the weekend off due to the international break this weekend and uh, then they're up against Newcastle Jets next Sunday. That's an away game, so a massive game for them to try and arrest this this slump that they're in at the moment following that blistering start that they enjoy to the season. It was a blistering start, yeah. So at the moment with the men's team there sitting... Uh, 10th on the table. Uh, interestingly enough, Gareth, I just had a look at the stats. We've scored 35 goals, right? That is just about the high. Is it the highest of anyone? It is, yes. Yeah, it's, it's the highest in the competition. And we're sitting 10th um, on the table, but we've conceded 38, which is just about the highest in the table yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it's been an, yeah, an astonishing season, just in terms. I mean, they're. I can barely think of a game that hasn't had a bit of everything. Certainly not for the last couple of months, anyway. It's uh, yeah, it's never been dull. 
Uh, I, I, I'm expecting probably much of the same tonight. I certainly wouldn't be tipping a nil-nil against Wellington. I think they scored 33 or 30 goals off the top of my head. They're unbeaten 30. in 2024. Yep. They've only lost twice all season. They come, they head over over to us off the back of consecutive victories. So they'll be absolutely brimming with confidence. And uh, yeah, I think it's shaping up to be yet another thriller. Uh, it's no wonder I'm going grey. Uh, yeah, it's been, <laughs> been very tense, very tense this year. So many late goals, conceding late goals, scoring late goals, comebacks, and yeah. Same but one. it's been no, it's been good fun. Yeah, Graham, you wanna. Yeah, I was, uh, Gareth, having met the uh, new owners, I was just wondering, you know, what do you th- uh, feel is the attraction, uh, you know, to, we uh, uh, we had Tony Sage going over to the UK and that didn't eventuate, you know, we had uh, initially, I think there was a couple coming coming across from the Eastern States, again, that didn't eventuate, but, you know, what do you see as the attraction um, to Perth Glory for these uh, potential owners? Yeah, I mean, I think Ross has shown that he... You know, he likes to have, he enjoys being associated with sport and, and not just football either. Um, you know, he's got basketball teams, baseball teams as well. He obviously enjoys that. He feels that, um, you know, because there's been a perception that basically owning a football club is a money pit. Well, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, you basically get a license to lose money as such. But yeah. obviously feels that that isn't the case, that there is potential uh, especially, I think, if, if it's tied in with, with some sort of uh, property development aspect, which is the other, you know, the main wing of his of his business empire, I suppose. So, yeah, I think that's it. He, he's talked to lots of people within the game. Uh, he mentioned that he'd spoken to, to Vince Grella, the former Socceroo, of course, and when he was considering investing in, in an A-League team, and Vince was apparently adamant that you know, there was no other option other than Perth Glory in terms of Glory being by far the best option uh, with regards to potential and so on for success sort of on and off the field. So, yeah, as far as I can tell, that's, uh, that, that, those are his motivations. Thanks. Um, Gareth, Dave Kindness here. Uh, just a question on the relationship with uh, the West and the East, Beth Glory and the APL. Is that, uh, you know, you, you got the impression that uh, they didn't really want Beth Glory in the league. Uh, how is that sort of relationship being handled now, or how is that working? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been, it's probably no secret, there's been one or two differences of opinion um, <laughs> over the last sort of, well, year or so at least, and, and a difficult situation with uh, the club going into administration. And uh, I mean, fortunately, APL you know, came to the party and, and supported the club for a sustained period of time financially. So, um, yeah, I mean, certainly at, at my level, the relationship is, is good. APL have got one or two of their own issues at the moment, their own financial issues that, yeah. they're, that, that, that they're dealing with. But, uh, yeah, certainly I think now that we've got, got an owner uh, with, and they're not being forced to, to support us financially, I would expect that, that relationship to... To improve, and certainly at a, at a working sort of day-to-day level, that the relationship is all, is already pretty solid. So, um, yeah, I would just expect that to improve now going forward. Yeah, well, that's good news. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and like I said, you know, we, I mean, everyone loves to criticise the governing body. It was exactly the same when Football Australia and FFA pre- prior to that were were in charge of the league. We all like to have a grumble. Let's be honest about. The governing body, and that includes even you know even at local level, you hear plenty of people grumbling about 
Football West, but uh, ultimately they, they are trying to do their best for the competition and uh, we just have to try and be as supportive as we can. Yeah, very true. Gareth, uh, given I'm on here to uh, to talk about Heinz Gask, I just wanted to share a, a, a Perth Glory uh, story with you in regards to uh, to Heinz. So uh, we okay. the Melville Alemannia reunion committee basically uh, had the reunion away back in August 2016. About two months later, it was Heinz's birthday. So um, we were going to give him a shot for his birthday. So we got on to his son Robin and uh, we said to him, uh, you know, Heinz, uh, you know. Uh, Robin, what's Heinz's favourite football team? Now, you know, I thought it was going to be a German team, you know, Bayern Munich or Eintracht Frankfurt <laughs> or something like that, you know. So, because um, uh, he um, was born in Salingen, and um, so he actually came back and says there's Perth Glory. So, um, you know, we're sort of thinking, oh, it's going to be an Eintracht Salingen, which I think is one of the lower leagues in Germany, or Cologne or Dusseldorf. So anyway, we got into Perth Gorley. I think it was Peter Philopoulos. I'm not sure I forget the pronunciation. Uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, they were happy to endorse Heinz as their number one fan. So the next problem we have is, well, what size is Heinz? So uh, <laughs> we ended up, uh, you know, we were told he's 3XL. So... Um, <laughs> If you if you have a look on the uh, Facebook Melville page, which uh, Debbie Tumath uh, looks after, there's a photograph of Heinz there, and he's resplendent Perth Glory shirt of the time. Um, it's only the front part; it doesn't actually have the back part, which was stenciled with uh, with Heinz. But um, uh, he certainly was a happy chappy, and uh, we also put together a um, you know this is your life football sort of booklet for him for his birthday oh, as brilliant. well. So. And, yeah, um, cool. But um, you know, and he's. Um, I suppose the only one disappointment uh, the uh, reunion committee had was that um, we basically put a um, uh, uh, put a uh, what, uh, application application. That's the word I was looking for uh, to the uh, Hall of Fame, uh, but um, it, it was rejected on on uh, some aspects. But when I look at um, uh, the chap from Morley Windmills, um, Hank, I uh, can't remember his surname, but, you know, he was endorsed, so I just feel it, that was the only thing we sort of let down uh, Heinz on. So I was going to have another go, but I've been told that the person needs to be living to be able to be uh, endorsed on the oh, Hall that's, of Fame. that's Football Westlife membership. So okay. that's different to Hall of Fame induction. OK, we so we can have another go then. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk later about that, young okay. man. Cheers. <laughs> Gareth, it's been fantastic having you on. Uh, really do appreciate your time. And also, it is noted that uh, you have stepped into the speaking on radio space a lot more in the last 12 months. I appreciate that. No, that's, that, that, that's no problem, Penny. That's no problem. It's uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Absolutely happy to do it. It's a pleasure to, to, to speak to yourself and, and Dave and Graham. And uh, any time I can help with anything, just give me a shout. Good on you. It probably impacts on your family time because we're in the weekend. But, you know, football's 24-7 now. Yeah, you just got to marry yourself to the football, Gareth. Yeah. Oh, they're well used to it. Don't worry about that. They, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just shut the door there and, uh, yeah, no, no, they're, they're very comfortable with it. Good one. We appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Cheers. Have a fantastic weekend, guys. Thanks for your time. Thank Will you. do. Good Cheers, on you. Gareth. See Bye-bye. ya. Bye.
Right, that was Gareth Morgan. He's a, he's a talker, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah he appears uh, on podcasts and all kinds of things these mm. days. Bit of restructuring inside of the Perth Glory setup, I should think. We are going to go to a quick break and then we'll come back and talk more football, of course, and that'll be with Robbie Thompson from Paramount and Channel 10. And we should probably say goodbye to you because you're probably going to nick off, aren't you? So Graham Stewart's been joining us. Thanks. For yeah, those. thanks very much for having us on. And uh, you know, hopefully we can get uh, as as many uh, ex Melville Allen Mania players, supporters, anybody that basically knows Hines uh, down there on Tuesday the fifth of March. Yeah, wonderful. Good okay. on you. Thanks, yeah. Graham. We'll put it on our Facebook page. That's a World Football Program page. Going off to a break now. On your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Oh, don't relax, I want elbows and backs. I want to see everybody from behind. Oswest Fencing and Raw Tine is a fourth generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install, or automate your gates, offer electronic security, or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Tine. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Now I believe he's gonna work me into the ground. I pull to the left, I keep to the right. I ought to kill him, but it wouldn't be right. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Dave in the studio. Graham has exited the yep. station. Uh, we'll just as a remembrance, we'll put uh, any funeral notices for John Talbot and Heinz Gask up on the World Football page as soon as we have them. So yeah. just uh, monitor that, and you can also like the page and add your feeds and news to it too. We love to share. We are community, and speaking of um, community football, we are talking to Robbie Thompson, who absolutely has an all-round community conversation inside of him every time we talk to Robbie we get distracted and talk about so many different things that we never intended to good morning Robbie good good morning what a lovely way of saying I talk too much <laughs> good morning Robbie you're in the right good morning, place Dave. how you going good, good. <laughs> that's what radio's for I guess yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to just spout stats and stuff like that. We just want to talk about all the other stuff. So we've covered a massive amount on the radio today. We've talked to the Minister Rita Safiotti and Perth Glory about the new ownership, which is very exciting, Robbie. It sounds like we're moving into the right space. The men's team are, are doing pretty damn good. We've got the new owners who are new owners who's sitting down 
ready to talk to the various stakeholders and, and groups, which is exciting. So we've got a space around the table there. So how do you see new ownership of Perth Glory? Uh, about time. My yeah, God, how yeah. long has it been? How long have we been waiting for? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really good. And I think what, what I like best about this whole chain of events that it came after at least the, I mean the women had a great start to the season in the A-League women it's been a little tougher of in the last few weeks but the men hit rock bottom at the start of the transfer window remember when when Stadge was losing like Khalifi went went to Melbourne victory on loan and basically it was just an open bar if you want any of our players you can sit them under the salary cap come and get them <laughs> and the team was really struggling but they turned it round on the pitch but just before this announcement was made, and it was, I think that's really symbolic because it's not just this great feeling that now we've got new owners, now we're going to, you know, it's it's a magic wand sort of thing. The players and and Stadge were already doing it on the pitch, so I think it's it's happened in a great order. Yes. But now this is like a real crest of a wave. Now you can feel it. The the players and the club had turned it around in really difficult circumstances on the pitch. It shows that what was there, even the last embers of what was there, was still had a pulse, was strong enough, and, and the people going to the games were still there, was still strong enough. And now the new owners have come in. I think it's just going to liberate the whole thing. I mean, I really hope that, you know, starting against, not hope for Wellington Phoenix sake, but starting tonight, you know, against the Phoenix, that this is just going to be this wave of, of positivity and moving forward, because we know on the pitch they can do it. Now let's bring back inverted commas, the glory years to Perth Glory. I think it's really exciting. We were just discussing the fact that the Glory men have scored 35 goals. I mean, that's the best. It's the, it's and, the and best And conceded stat. how many? Yeah, I know. Let's not talk about that stat. I mean, that's the reason why the 10th, of course. But um, it, it, it's pretty healthy amount of goals to be scoring. So that that's makes good. it... I think they've only failed to score in one game. It makes if, it, I, if, if memory serves me correctly, it's incredible. It makes it pretty exciting football to watch, Robbie. Um, unfortunately, when we concede goals, that's also exciting, but in, in another <laughs> kind of way, of course. Um, but, yeah, there's only a few fixtures left. Uh, six or so left, um, maybe a bit less than that. I'm not quite sure if that's enough to keep the upward trend and get us into the final <coughs> six at the end of yeah the season, but... We're yeah, I think there's, there's, there's nine games left or for Perth. Yeah, Perth have ten games left. They've got a couple of games in hand on a team like Brisbane just ahead of them, for example. So, no, there, it, it is still possible. It's going to be tough because they're seven points out of the six. But, I mean, in, in the last sort of five weeks, I think they're sitting equal top of the table, you know, if you only took the last five weeks. So they have turned it round and... You know, you have to believe they're giving everyone else a bit of a head start, but but why not? Yeah, Wellington have done an amazing job this year, and just un unbundle a couple of things here. So they're not in the Asian Football Confederation; they're in the Oceanic Football Confederation, but they can win yeah. the A League, but they can't be in the <laughs> Asian competitions. So are there Oceania competitions that they can be a part of? Uh. In theory, yes, but I think there's, for some reason, they're not welcome there either because otherwise they would, because I guess they're not competing in an oceanic competition. They're really a, a side in, in limbo at the moment because we know that it's the, the amateur Auckland side, Auckland City, that goes 
and competes at the the World Club Championship every season, or inevitably every season, <laughs> as champions of New Zealand, but um, and champions of Oceania. But uh, no, so Wellington Phoenix, they in that respect, they got the short end of the straw. What they what luck they do have is the fact that they get to play in the A League against all these Australians. How good must that be? Well, yeah, it gives their <laughs> their players and their academy and their youth, etc. A foothold into international football, like a space to play the best football they can play on a regular basis, I guess. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, now, let's move on to there's going to be a new team in the A League next year. I, th- I think it's next year with Canberra. Yeah. Um, there's no all- Auckland for the moment. O- Auckland, sorry. Yeah, but- only, only Auckland at the moment. Hopefully, Canberra as well. Fingers C- crossed. Correct. But my thought goes to there's already a club in an A-League, and that's Canberra United, which is the women's side. So does yep. this mean that the Can- Canberra on the men's side are just be- going to become part of the women's club and what will happen to the women's side? Like I, my, In my head, I just can't kind of figure out how this is going to merge or, or happen. They wouldn't be two separate clubs, yeah. surely? No, surely not. I think I think that's... Um, I mean, I've, I heard some things saying, oh, it's too late now they've got to come up with the logo and and colors and all this all of that exists if they're smart all of that exists because the, the women's team has a has a fantastic image in canberra as well i mean they're former champions they've got fantastic players michelle Heyman. they have a yep. they have a matilda they're the, 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 the league's leading scorer at the moment i mean everything in terms of infrastructure and club brand and image exists so perhaps because it hasn't been announced yet it still hasn't been announced i mean i don't know for sure but that's like you say that's surely the logical the logical idea is that you just absorb the men or add the men on to this existing existing football club i suspect i hope that's what they do because i think you need this united front moving forward i like the fact that the women are the traditional team or you know since canberra city strikers and and Canberra Cosmos back in back in the old days of the NSL. Um, why not use what they have created to your advantage? That makes sense to me. And of course, they're running out of time because Auckland have. We know they're announcing their official name, their colours. They've already Steve Corrick is going to coach them next season. They're already in the market for players. Apparently, they're signing some big names as well. So they've got a head start. If Canberra are thinking this new Canberra franchise are thinking of doing everything from scratch. It's going to be very hard for them to be ready, and also they, they're going to miss out if they if they shun the women's team and we have two separate clubs. I just don't see the point of it. So I hope the women are not only incorporated into the men. I hope the men are incorporated into the women because that seems the logical way for for, for moving forward in the nation's capital, which I think is great. Hopefully, the nation's capital do have this team on the national stage. Hopefully, it's not too long before we have you know other teams in Western Australia, Queensland. And Tasmania, of course, as well. It's a bit of uh, an interesting one because every other team that's in the A-League has an association of men and women uh, that I can think of. I'm just uh, thinking very quickly now. Yeah, MacArthur, I think, just thinking on my feet. Yeah. Don't yet. But uh, surely that's part of their their mission statement as well, their plan. Yep. Yep. So this is kind of the other way around. Canberra don't have a men's team. It's funny in my head yep. actually saying that. Yeah, exactly. Men's team, but uh, men's team might come to them. It just seemed to, to me when it was announced that Canberra would have and uh, put a team into the A-League men, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to be joining with Canberra United. That's what I immediately thought because yep. there's already a club yep. there. That doesn't make yep. sense. Well, that, that, 
that makes sense exactly. Yeah. I mean, I know there were there were other planned and failed bids in the past as well. I'm not sure how closely aligned they were with Canberra United that already exist. Um, but me, I don't see why. I mean, at the moment, Canberra United, the women, are run by the ACC Football Federation as well. Yes. So there would have to be, you know, it's not it's not just an for us looking from the outside. It's never as simple as all that. I mean, we all know the politics that go into football as well. It's run by a certain body. Who's going to run it if the men come in? Because it won't necessarily be the same, you know, the same structures. You'll need to change perhaps the the, the status of the. The, the whole football club from being a, a, a non-profit to being something else or being, you know, how, how will it all work? So it's never as easy as all that, but surely, surely that they should be working in, in the best possible way to incorporate Canberra United. I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's been a, a few changes along the last 12 months anyway with the uh, Women's World Cup um, flooding, you know, interest and inquiries and directing registrations yeah. and revenue and all those kind of things. So hopefully somewhere in the background they're already having these, these talks about this. Now, a couple of other things that there, there are that's happening, the rounds of the FA, oh, the Australia Cup, I keep saying FA, but the Australia Cup are, are happening, <laughs> um, the, the, the B-League... Have you got any comments on the B League and, and where that's heading, news updates? Um, well, we know that the eight teams have been announced. I mean, I think we've spoken since yep. since this since this was announced. Yep. Um, I was chatting to a to a friend at one of the clubs that wasn't um, picked in the eight or announced as being part of the eight, but who are still very, very optimistic of being included in what they hope will be the next four teams to be added. To the to the eight, so that by the time we do have kickoff in this na- national second division, um, they are very much hoping it will be twelve teams, and then from there, I guess. I mean, we still don't know the whole format of how it will all how it will all pan out. Um, look, I think there are there are positives and negatives to to do with this. I think it, it's a shame that that it's not connected to. I think there there are there are problems with the the structure of it insofar as there's no promotion and relegation already to this to this national second division. I understand that the idea is that hopefully this will become the case, but for the moment all they're doing is creating like a second antechamber, a second division professional league again, which they're choosing the FA this time, not the APL, are choosing who goes into it. And that will be the league. And again, it's not connected to the state federation. And this has been a, a, a real point of conjecture in Brisbane, for example, where their bid has, has collapsed because they couldn't, or a couple of bids actually, because they couldn't work out how there was possible reintegration or integration into Queensland football. Um, I'm not sure what the, what the situation was in Western Australia, but unfortunately... You know, at the end of the day, there were no WA clubs. And all of this is a shame for a second division, which was hopefully going to be, you know, this national second division competition. We've got four clubs from Sydney, Wollongong, and three clubs from Melbourne at the moment. So it's not it's not uh, as national as perhaps we would have hoped. But hopefully that will change with the addition of between two and four um, new clubs, hopefully from, from different places. But... Um, Look, the idea of having a fully professional second division, of having 12 more fully professional clubs, of having pathways for players, um, that these are community clubs that already have junior um, teams that are playing in state federation-run leagues, all of this is very positive. The question is, 
what is the end game? Are we, is this second division being linked to the A-League? Is it being linked already to MPL? Is there going to be promotion relegation? If you win the Western Australian MPL, do you then play off against South Australia for a place in the national second division? Or does it depend on how, how big your stadium is, how many fans? There are, there are still lots and lots of questions yes. that I think need, need answering. And then there's the question of how are people going to watch it? Because, you know, people want people will want to watch it and the TV rights deal will be absolutely crucial. And I haven't heard how that's being developed either this, this far out, for the moment anyway. But in principle, look, no one's arguing about having more professional football clubs in Australia. That's what everyone wants. I think that there might be a little bit of uh, um, a lacking in confidence that if it gets underway and then it falls flat and we've connected it all and then there's a disconnect and then clubs might fail because they don't have the funding or whatever and they have to pull out, what does that mean if there's a big connect, if there's the promotion relegation, if there's the TV deals and whatever? But on saying that, if there's a lot more connect, that means there's a lot more support, right? So that... If there's more connect, the better, I think. Yes. Oh, oh, cor- if, you, yes. if you go bankrupt or whatever, your kids are still going to exist playing the under-8s and under-9s and the team will just drop down into into NPL. I think the connection is actually the thing that could save the whole thing. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting you say that the teams come from three areas. They're probably the most sustainable areas and the most supported in football-type areas, which could be a good thing for the start. Yeah, yeah. Also the biggest population, yeah. population density probably as well. I mean, I think that, you know, football is a, a working-class sport all over the world. I mean, that's the, the you know... London, Manchester, you know, Paris, they're, they're the, the, the cities, the biggest cities are where the football clubs are. Yes. I mean, that's, that's and where all the footballers come from because that's, that's where you need them. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense in that respect that, yeah, they're based in the, the southwest of the country, I guess. Yep. Now, let's move across to the Matildas because the Matildas are playing the first of their two games against Uzbekistan for Olympic qualifying. Um, one of which is Massive. tonight. Are you commentating one of those, Robbie? I am. I am commentating both of them. I've been madly practising my Uzbeki um, name <laughs> pronunciation, I which I can tell you, no, never will I have been able to do enough practice. <laughs> it was funny. But was, I'm going to give it a shot. I was watching some of the um, so- social banter and play and uh, not players that uh, fans have been tra- have travelled over to watch the away game and it's snowing over there and the players yeah. were playing in an extremely cold environment and then they'll be playing here and who knows what the environment is going to be here because honestly here in Australia there's been floods and high temperatures yeah, it's changing and it, every 5 minutes it's yeah. it's crazy but this is just football isn't it and you know you you have to make sh- sure you acclimatize and and you're ready for it and i mean look at the NPR NPL night series fixtures here. We've had games over here in Perth, Robbie, called off because the insane heat has been like 36 degrees at kickoff. Um, and, yeah. so, and well, the Perth Glory women last week, yeah. I think it was 36.3 yeah. or something at kickoff, and the game still proceeded. And that was like, was it seven o'clock at night? Yeah. It was crazy. So the, the heat's really having an impact over here on local games, and, and the Matildas are maybe playing in snow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Andy, Andy Howe, the FA's. Um, an Australian football's fantastic statistician um, yep. just dropped a little word in the in a group chat that I'm in saying that it could be at least in terms of what's officially been reported the first time ever an Australian national senior team has played in snow. 
There you go. They played in colder, like minus five in Beijing in 1979, but never has it actually been snowing when they play. So that could be the case. Out could come the orange ball. This could be a seminal moment in the history of the Matilda. We've had the World Cup, but now we might play with an orange ball. How good would that be? Wow. <laughs> that would be fantastic. That'd yep, be really there you go. They'll be making history all over again. Yeah, and the, the, the people in Uzbekistan out with brushes to make the lines clear. Uh, yeah, I've exactly. Seen, seen exactly. Be, yep. Yeah. Exactly. For them, it's probably balmy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can catch all just of that a here. Cool evening. Drive yeah. from one side of Australia yeah. to the other. There's uh, just about all kinds of weather conditions you can think of happening yep. inside of our seasons now. Um, marquee players, Robbie. I wanted to ask you in the A League. Do we think we're hitting on the right formula for success or do we need to add something back in to get bums on seats or change something up? Um, I can think of Alessandro Del Piero uh, coming from Italy at some point and the following that he created here in the A-League was immense. It cost a lot of money to get Mm. him here, but was it worth it? Do we need to add something back into the A-League here to give a little bit of a rejig, Robbie? Yeah, I think I, I don't think it hurts. I think almost that it will happen organically by by itself. I mean, that certainly Del Piero's arrival it 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 heralded the glory years. You know, from 2011 probably to 2015, 16 was the you know the amazing time for the A League, and there was Del Piero and Heskey and you know some some big name players. But but Perth Glory back in the late 90s and early noughties didn't have didn't have giant marquee players, did they? And they were packing out HBF in the NSL and we were talking about crowds of 20,000 at every game. Yep. I don't think it is the answer. I think it's great if you can have a star player. I think it's, it's fantastic because of the quality of the player. I think it will put extra bumps on seats. But I think at the moment, it, we don't have solid enough foundations yet. Or rather, the foundations are there, but we have to, we have to do more... As, an, as a league, as clubs, to build up that basic, you know, bar has to be higher so that a marquee, when they come, they're a bonus. They're not the whole thing. Yes. Because yeah. when the marquee leaves, then what happens? Yeah. It all falls apart again or you, you lose yeah. your 15,000 that were coming just to see, you know, a Lionel Messi play six games do, do and after know, those six games, what happens? That's a really good comment and, and we're going to leave that with the... The Women's World Cup legacy report has just come out and they've said the word legacy in there and you're right, what's the legacy afterwards? We need to put everything in place so that when some an event happens, the post part is just, well, we knew this was going to happen and here it is, it's it's, it's good because we put all the, the things in place and it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Now, exactly. Robbie, we have to go. Thank you so much. Uh, did you want to make any comments about the match tonight? Where to watch it? Um yeah, it's on. So coverage starts at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Um, kickoff 8 p.m. here. So I guess that's a late one for you guys. 11 p.m. kickoff in the West on Channel 10 and Paramount Plus. It's across the board. It's on everywhere. And then we do it all again next Wednesday at the same time. But go the Tillies. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Good on you, Robbie. Go the Tillies. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate well your time, Robbie. Enjoy your football. Thank you very much. <laughs> Always do. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. See ya. Bye bye. That was Robbie Thompson, Paramount and Channel 10 match supporter. Dave, thank you very much. Not a problem, Bert. Next up is Len and his jazz show, Bags Groove. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Really do appreciate it. All of our partners, Futsal WA, Gate and Fence Hardware, 
Oswest Fencing, NALeagueStats.com. Thanks, Pete. New team in next week. Actually, no, it'll be me next week. I'll be back again talking more football. Yep. See you so, later. Thanks to all the guests.